Now that's our friend Frank Rossi. Uh, keeps saying we're a second-half team. Wait till I see him. <laughs> uh, no, we're not trying to be a second-half team. We're trying to play 60 minutes of football. Hearing today that he passed, man, it, it hurts me because he was a, like, father, a father, a true father figure telling me what I need to do and how I need to do it. I'm not a coach that yells at people at halftime, but I'm a, I, I did a little yelling at halftime today. We had to, and we had to fight off the uh, whammy of the uh, of your prediction. <laughs> <laughs> well, remember, I did say they would come back in the end. Football fans, it's now time for the D3Football.com Around the Nation podcast. Here are your hosts, Pat Coleman and Keith McMillan. You've tuned into the D3Football.com Around the Nation podcast. Two guys and occasional guests talking about the news in NCAA Division Three football. And we have a, a special edition of the podcast for you here today because there is news, big news in Division Three football, uh, as we found out uh, today, which is uh, Monday, May 14th. Uh, of the death of Mike Drass. Mike Drass, who's the uh, longtime head coach and athletic director at Wesley College and has been the uh, has been the head coach there since 1993, second winningest coach uh, active in Division Three football. And uh, I'm Pat Coleman as I welcome in Keith McMillan, former Wesley wide receiver and return man at D3Football.com All-American Larry Beavers will be joining us later, as will Sean Green, who covers Wesley for WDEL Radio in Dover, Delaware. Keith, you and I have... Uh, known, I guess, or certainly been uh, associated with, have worked with, have covered Mike Drass's teams for as long as we've been doing this. They've been uh, nationally relevant from almost the get-go from the time that we started doing this. And it's, it is just a, it was just a shock to see that uh, come across our screens here earlier today. Not just a, a shock, but, um, you know, it kind of hits you in the heart a little bit, you know, maybe more for players uh, who played at Wesley or people who are closer to the program. But I think what speaks most highly about him is that uh, everybody who knew him was, you know, heard the news today and, and, you know, felt like they lost a friend. And it's kind of weird to be in a position where, uh, you know, as a head coach, he, he had, I, he had, you know, reason to be in all these people's lives and reason to lose touch. Um, but he, but it seemed like from the from the outside, you know, that um, whether they played from 20 years ago or two years ago or you just dealt with them a couple times as a reporter or if you dealt with them off and on like like you and I did, you felt like you knew the guy and, and you felt like he, he was um, he just exuded, you know, joy. And, you know, you, I mean, for, for someone who felt like he was doing what he was supposed to be doing in life and and loved where he was and passed that on to everyone else and made everyone else uh, feel like you know Wesley football w- was a big thing and and you know they had potential in life and and um, he had praise for opponents he had praise for his own players and d- didn't mean that he wasn't a good coach and that he that he didn't wasn't hard on people sometimes but um, but I, I feel like the best way to sum it up is everybody whether you were super close to him or whether you just kind of crossed paths with him a few times. Literally, almost everybody felt like they lost a friend. I, I think that's definitely accurate, Keith. Uh, I know that uh, you know just watching some of the reactions, and, and a lot of this podcast is maybe not going to be news because you know the news is is fairly basic. Unfortunately, it, it's sad, and there isn't much more we can say about it. But uh, I, I think a lot of it is uh, going to be 
reactions like yours, reactions that we'll share here over the course of the next uh, few minutes, and uh, the reactions of other people. I, I pull out one that I, I th was was pretty um, was pretty impressed by. You know, there's a a guy who many many years ago covered. Division three football uh, as a Brockport radio student radio broadcaster, Kevin LaForest, who was one of the first people who responded to a post that I made, you know, his, that this is going back a decade or so, remembers great conversations with him, that sort of thing. I think one of the things about Mike Drass was that it was just very genuine. What you saw was what you got. He really uh, welcomed a lot of people into the inside a little bit of Wesley football. And, you know, I think that's why so many people have that positive impression that you were citing earlier. Yeah. I think that's a great way to put it, that, that he was genuine and, and, you know, some people have a, um, a face for the cameras or personality for the cameras for the press conference. And then, you know, they can turn it on and off. Uh, some people, you know, you don't know what you're going to get from day to day. I felt like every time we talked to him, the guy was just glowing um, because he loved football, he loved Wesley football, he loved Division Three football. He was he was someone who, um, I, you know, I remember. He they had just lost a, a semifinal, probably on their home field, maybe a quarterfinal, against Whitewater, and he spends the whole press conference talking about how great Whitewater was and how he felt like they really had a chance to to play with them, and I think the score was like twenty seven seven or something. And then, uh, you know, the place had cleared out and he and I were just shooting the breeze. And he said, you know, there's this there's offensive lineman up in North Jersey. Uh, you know, we need to get our offensive line better. And if I can get this guy, um, you know, we can maybe we can, we can hang with them next year. And I mean, he was just in love with every facet of it. And it and you you felt it. it um, other people could tell. And then I felt like they also felt it and, and sort of exuded that same energy as well. That reminds me of a, a somewhat related story. I was going through some of my email, going through some audio, some of it which you heard in the open. You also heard uh, Mike Drass with the that big outsized personality uh, taking it to Frank Rossi a little bit for uh, calling the calling Wesley a fourth quarter team. That was just last season. Um, but uh, one of the things that I saw was that uh, Mike was not afraid to. Uh, point out guys that he thought were doing well, whether they were his own guys trying to push for them for postseason stuff or somebody else's guy. Like um, every year uh, or pretty much every season in uh, November or December, I send an email out to all 200 and whatever head football coaches in Division Three because one of the things that is really difficult for us to do come awards time is figure out who are the best offensive linemen? Because, you know, that's not a position where you're blessed with stats, for example, to go after. Uh, similarly, you know, who are the best cover corners? Because sometimes there are coaches who will, or players who coaches will just throw away from, and that kid might have only one or two interceptions all year, but be the best cornerback because no uh, opposing offensive coordinator is willing to test him. So I would often get those kind of responses from him when I reached out with specific questions. But then also, I got an email from him last year saying, Please make that Brockport quarterback first team, not even close to anyone in the East. Special player. That was, you know, Joe Germanario. So uh, pretty well pretty well covered there. But, you know, that's just, I think, indicative of, you know, how much he cared about um, Division Three football in general. I think of this too, Keith. You know, this is a guy who, for many, many years, 
struggled to get his football team into a conference. Uh, you know, as athletic director, his uh, entire athletic program was at one point in the Pennsylvania Athletic Conference, then in the Capital Athletic Conference, now moving on next year to another one. But none of those were conferences that had football. So the Wesley football team was always a little bit of an outlier, a little bit difficult for them to find a home. And he was always, uh, you know, kind of finding ways to band together with other programs in similar situations, whether it was being a long-term member of the ACFC, which was around when we started doing this website, um, and then watching that membership change and evolve around uh, around Wesley, because Wesley was a mainstay. Another thing I saw cited today was from someone who used to work at the Apprentice School, Newport News Apprentice School, and that was a school that is not a Division Three member, but um, Mike really fought for them to be included in the ACFC because I think they saw themselves, he saw them as being in a similar situation, trying to find a place for a program, somewhere for a program to belong, somewhere for a program to have a community. Well, I think that last phrase, too, is one of the things that I wanted to to speak about, about Mike, you know, um, him getting Wesley from junior college to a uh, respectable D3 program to Division Three power and member of the NJAC is a big part of his legacy. Yeah. But I also thought making making people feel like part of a community. You were talking about it as, um, you know, a school belonging to a conference, but it always stood out to me that he, uh, what he did for black players, to be quite honest. Wesley was one of the first schools and is still one of the, the main schools that embraces uh, having not just black players on the team and in the program, but um, I feel like, again, this is from an outsider's view, but someone who's seen at least a dozen, maybe somewhere between a dozen and two dozen Wesley games at home and on the road over a course of, you know, 10 or 15 years. Uh, I felt like black players could be themselves on campus. And part of the black experience, in, in all honesty, is feeling like, you may not belong somewhere or, you know, so, sometimes feeling like you have to put on airs, you have to act a certain way, uh, especially on a college campus. Um, and, and then when you're when you're a teenager and you're looking for a place to fit in, you, you, you know, that's double where you feel like now not only do I have to sort of be on my best behavior, but, I, you know, I don't know if I really fit in this place. And I think one of the reasons he was so successful at recruiting is that players black and otherwise felt comfortable from the moment they met him from the moment they spent time on Wesley's campus which is in all honesty not that impressive of a campus if you're also being recruited by uh, other division three powerhouses so when people committed to Wesley they are you're committing to in theory four years of an experience but you're also committing to my dress and being comfortable in your own skin and growing as a person as a player you know we haven't even mentioned 228 wins um, yeah. And we've been talking for 10 minutes or so um, because there's so much about him was just making people feel comfortable. And there was this quote in the uh, in the Delaware State News story that I feel like sums it up. And it's uh, it's from our friend Jason Bowen, who's quoting Chip Knapp, who is um, Mike's offensive coordinator. And for those of you who didn't know, Mike Drass was the AD and the head football coach. But for for all intents and purposes, he ran the defense chip ran the offense. Chip says um, he was a genius at football and at people. 
You always knew that you had him in your corner. He would go to bat for you. He really would do anything for a kid and for his program. And I, I think that first part of it just really, uh, really sums it up. He was a genius at football and at people because why else would we say we all felt like we lost a friend, whether we were um, his best friend like like Chip Knapp or someone that you know that we see a couple times a year like you and I. You know, Wesley, uh, football at Wesley is not only, of course, a significant part of the athletic experience, it's a significant part of the college. Uh, It's not a very large school. You mentioned, Keith, the the campus itself is not very impressive. Um, You know, there's only about, uh, you know, a little bit less than 600 male full-time undergraduates at the school. Uh, 120 of them or so play football. That's one out of every five. You know, this is a school that I think without football, would struggle to fill beds, right? Or, you know, put people in dorms, uh, fill seats in classrooms, that sort of thing. It's not just that, um, as you talked about uh, a few minutes ago, it, that uh, Mike Drass helped them transition from a uh, junior college football program to a legitimate Division three football program. It's really had, uh, Mike Drass has really had a huge impact on the entire college at Wesley College. Yeah, I mean, and and they sort of gave that love back um, when they when they named the field after him. And there's so many points, I guess, along the way where Wesley uh, had great teams, uh, had great quarterbacks. You know, Wesley's one of the few Division three programs that has put more than one player in the NFL. Um, You know, Larry Beavers, Brian Robinson. And um, Joe Callahan being the three I can think of off top um, has a Gallardi Trophy winner. They've two. Been, uh, two. It's true. I'm sorry. Um, I was actually thinking of Rocky Myers. Funny, I forgot about <laughs> yeah that, that Joe Callahan <laughs> guy too. Yeah. Um, and have been basically to every level of Division three except the Stag Bowl. Played every big program: Mountain Union, Whitewater, uh, Mary Harden, Baylor. Some epic clashes Lin- with them. Linfield. Um, they're they're. I mean, that was a, the, the game where they're getting beat 27-7 at halftime on their yeah. home field. They come back, win that game 49-27. Um, amazing, amazing career. The team was always fun to watch. They were sometimes frustrating for, for Wesley folks because that freedom that he gave players to be themselves also meant, um, you know, that sometimes they had issues with, with penalties. Uh, and that was sort of a, a refrain year after year. But it also... I think hammers home the, the the last thing I really really want to say about him is that he made football fun. All right, so many coaches, football is not war, and so many coaches treat it like that. And you do have to to work hard and and tighten up your game and be on your grind. Um, as we talked about in the previous podcast, you know, um, whatever's happening in your life, you got to sort of leave that at the at the end edge of the field or when you come on the field you know you you bring it every day and and i'm certainly not suggesting that mike didn't do that but mike he made football fun he let he let the players have freedom uh he would play anyone remember the you know when they weren't in a conference they they played in alabama they played menlo in in california they played depaul in indiana didn't care he couldn't wait to get a game with he wanted to play mountain union whitewater mary harden baylor during the regular season they played north central he would literally play anyone um, and then he, he loved his guys. I remember the, the day Joe Callahan got on with, a, uh, with an NFL team. I had a text in my phone. Um, you know, he was just, he was just super excited. Um, and the same way he talks about Callahan, who was his, sort of his most recent, most successful player, um, 
my freshman year at Randolph-Macon in 94, we played Wesley. And, uh, of course, I didn't know who Mike Drass was at the time, um, but they had this great running back named Petey Davis. And anytime Mike and I would would, um, talk about the 90s, he would bring up Petey Davis. And he loved Petey Davis as much as he loved Joe Callahan, (laughs) as much as he loved anybody who'd gone through the program over the years, you drop a name, and uh, and and he he would remember the guy, and they they keep in touch. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, it just I feel like in a lot of ways he's everything you would want a coach to be. If you're a player, you play for him. A guy who makes you a better player, right? They were two twenty eight, sixty nine and one under him, uh, thirteen straight playoff appearances. But at the same time, was someone you'd like to be around, made football fun, and uh, and ultimately was sort of someone that you considered a friend. Keith, I'm going to leave with one final anecdote uh, myself, and then we have guests to get to here also to talk a little bit more about Mike Drass. It's not just me and Keith on this, but uh, I think my last anecdote that I kind of wanted to drop in here is uh, something that's uh, inspired by something you just said a moment ago. I was out there in Dover, Delaware, just a few weeks ago to chat with Matt Gono for our April podcast, and uh, Mike Drass was super excited to see me. It is... What it's a Sunday afternoon in April. He doesn't have to be in the office, but he's there. He's there to, you know, chat me up, want to know how things are going, how my trip was, et cetera, et cetera. As I was on my way there, he was texting me just to make sure I didn't need anything. But we were all, you know, all set up and ready to go. And then, you know, I I think in uh, experience you've probably had as well. Um, I walked away with a, a little bit of Wesley football gear too. So, I think one of the things that I need to do in my life right now uh, that I've uh, struggled with slash failed at over the course of the last couple of months is really think about my health. I have some new workout gear to go uh, work out in, and that's something that I'm going to take with me and keep as a reminder over the course of the next couple of months as I try to uh, get myself back in shape. Well, I'm, I'm really glad you brought that up because the, the last thing I, I want to say is that, you know, we've, we're this far into the podcast and we haven't um, said much about Mike's, um, health. You know, he was 57. Um, the reporting is that he probably died of a heart attack. Um, and you know, Mike was a big guy and I don't think that particular part of it comes as a shock to anyone. Um, but the way I I would remember him, any picture of him, and you can, you can Google right now, uh, our site, WDEL, Delaware state news, uh, anywhere, Delaware online, any picture of him, guarantee you he's either smiling or yelling at one of his players. But the, the you know the way I always remember him as as just a big, I mean I don't want to say jolly because that seems like such a cliched word, but it's just a guy who's always living life in an intense way. And um, you know for him to pass at, at 57 is certainly uh, too soon for some, but I, I would say he's one of the folks who who didn't waste a lot of time. He didn't, he didn't live average in any way. Now on the D3Football.com Around the Nation podcast, we're joined by two-time All-American return man and wide receiver for Wesley College, Larry Beavers. Larry still playing professionally in arena football. And uh, he heard from a lot of his teammates today. Man, you gotta, you gotta feel it. Yeah, I'm sure we all feel it's unexpected. 
It's like, man, the way he been on you and treating you, I know you taking it hard. I'm like, man, I'm trying to take it as easy as I can. I don't want to take it too hard. Because, man, a lot of people don't know that uh, I was kicked out of, uh, I failed out two, two schools. Uh, I failed out at, I had failed out of Wesley one year, one semester. And uh, I had went to Delaware Tech. And Coach Draz told me, man, you got to go there and get my grades together. And they actually let me stay on campus, man. And uh, that didn't do that didn't do me too well, cause I I ended up failing out Delaware Tech as well that following semester. So they sat down with me and had a talk with me in his office, man. Like I don't know what else I can offer you right now. You haven't been showing me that you've been improving. You haven't shown me that you want to take this seriously. I don't know what you want to do with your life. You got to go and find out what you want to do. Basically saying, like, I'm through with you. If you can get these classes done, then we consider. But as of right now, I don't know what to do. Do with you right now, Larry. So, man, I took that, left out that office, crying my eyes out. I went home and did uh, some online classes at Anne Arundel Community College. I had to do six classes. I got A's and B's, man. I went to that office that following semester of the Coast Trans. He looked at me and said, what are you doing here? I said, man, I did everything you told me to do. He said, what are you doing here? I said, coach, I did everything you told me to do. He said, man, I can't do nothing for you. You don't have the grades. I reached in my pocket, grabbed my grade, my report from around, uh, and around the community college. I showed him. He looked at me. I looked back at him. I'm crying. He's crying. He's like, man, congratulations. The next 12 minutes, I got reinstated back in Wesley. Changed my whole life around. Changed it around. Never looked back. He taught me something that not a lot, a lot of people that didn't actually really teach me in life. Hearing today that he passed, man, it, it hurts me because he was a, like a father, a father, a true father figure, telling me what I need to do and how I need to do it. I didn't have that always, but I do have a father that is a great father. But Coach Trans was that other voice of a father towards me. And it was like Coach Trans, and I had Coach Snap. Coach Snap was like an uncle. And I had Coach Plews. Coach Plews was like a brother. And Coach Steve as amazing, man. He was on me like a brother as well, too, like a twin brother. He made sure. He always told me, I'm going to make sure you do the right thing. Right behind Coach Trans and them two guys did everything they possibly can do to help me. Be successful in life. And honestly, my football career goes out to Wesley College and Mike Trask. Because without that year, that following year, I don't know where I would be right now. It seems like, you know, with the success of the football program, with the size of the football program, especially compared to the size of the school, that uh, Coach Drass really had a huge impact, not just on the athletic department, but on the school as a whole, because so many of the students at Wesley College uh, either are related to athletics or most of them in the football program. Yes. Oh, man, he's, he's that's one thing. He's a, he's a student. He's a, a, a player coach guy, and a great athletic director. He shows every player the same love, man. They don't treat no one different.
Now we're joined by Sean Green, the sports director at WDEL Radio in Delaware. Uh, Sean, first of all, thanks for taking the time to join us on this podcast. And uh, what was it like when you heard the news today? Well, my pleasure, first of all, Pat. And, and second of all, just c- complete and utter shock. I got a, a message right about noontime Eastern today that, uh, you know, is the news about Coach Drass true? And I had no idea. I was actually waiting for a, a note about a high school coach here in Delaware that I was going to do a story on today and quickly did a little bit of digging and realized that, you know, when someone asks you that question, it, it's not the good way of asking it. And of course, we find out later that, he, that he's passed away. And it, it's just a total shock. I mean, many of us, including myself, saw him at the Wesley College golf outing just on Friday. And he was out there uh, cracking jokes with the players, talking about our golf games, raising money for the program, all the things that were quintessential Mike Drass. And and now here we are three days later, and, and he's no longer with us. Cracking jokes and the whole personality, the, this kind of larger-than-life persona that Mike Drass uh, has, that is, it, from everything I've seen, and you've spent a lot more time with him than uh, either Keith or I have, but that seems to be genuine. That seems to be genuine Mike Drass. Yeah, there are two Mike Drasses. Uh, someone made a good point. I think it was Sherman Wood of, of Salisbury University who I talked to today. And he said he's like Jekyll and Hyde, that, yes, on the sideline you see this fiery, angry coach, and, and don't you dare do a thing wrong or you're going to get chewed out. Mm-hmm. But as soon as you step outside the boundaries of the game, he was your greatest advocate. He was, He would defend you to the hilt. He would give you a second or a third chance. And anything that happened on the the playing field was completely forgotten. It was all about life and succeeding in the classroom and, and succeeding in whatever you're going to do in your career. He cared as much about that as he did about that, that chase for the elusive stag bowl. There, it seems like that you could say that about a lot of coaches, right? There's a, there's a coaching persona between the lines, and more often than not, that's something that doesn't translate outside. You talked about him uh, giving people second and third chances. Uh, we have a great uh, anecdote from Larry Beavers uh, uh, that preceded you in this podcast by a couple of minutes about the uh, extra chances that he got from him and what uh, what uh, what Larry turned that into over the course of his continuing professional football career. What other reactions did you hear from people? Well, they had a, a candlelight vigil for him this evening on Miller Field or on Drassfield at, at Miller Stadium, and another player kind of fits that mold was Brian Robinson, uh, one of your former. I believe he was South Defensive Player of the Year, if I'm not mistaken, or, or maybe multiple, even National. Yeah, multiple times South Region Defensive Player of the Year, yeah. Yeah, he was – his story was he was going to go to Delaware State University, a, a Division One FCS 1AA program, and then, and then something happened late in his senior year that kind of fell apart. Mike Trask, though, was waiting with an open hand and, and willing to prop him back up and gave him that second chance and anyone who watched division 3 you know college football in the mid and mid aughts saw what he did at Wesley just you know one arguably the best defensive lineman I've seen either in a Wesley uniform or any division 3 uniform and what Brian told me tonight was while that was all well and good and he he was grateful for that Drass continued to be in touch with him all the time every week every day and he's actually turned it into an arena football league career he was playing for the Philadelphia Soul for a while, and now he's a, an assistant coach at Dover High School in the town where Wesley is located. And you know, he, he's he's turned what was a shaky situation, what could have easily fallen through the cracks, into something where where Robinson is now a mentor 
and his goals to go back to school, get a degree so that he can become a head football coach. That's his aspirations at the high school level. When you coach a football team with so many kids come in and out over the course of decades, that's a real opportunity for someone to have that kind of impact on hundreds and if not thousands of people. Well, Delaware's not the biggest state, obviously. There's only 57 high schools. Not all of them play football. But the reality is, I believe we're up to now five or six of the programs are now coached by former Wesley College Wolverines, including the team that's won the last three large school here in Delaware Division One state champions in Mike Judy. And you know he, he had to work his way through a couple of former Wesley alums along the way. There was a, a, another Another program, Laurel High School at the smaller school, I believe made it to the semifinals a couple of years ago under Eston Ennis. And just the the Mike Drass tree players weren't even from Delaware. They'd be from Maryland. They'd be from New Jersey. They set up roots here in Delaware, and then they'd stay and become either a coach under him at Wesley or, or a high school coach. And I think the high school football community in Delaware as a whole has been greatly greatly boosted by the by the presence of Mike Drass and what he did to mentor all these future coaches. Sean, probably too early to tell, but what do you uh, what does it sound like Wesley's going to do with the coaching position? I don't think anyone has said anything of the sort yet, although you know, the the big question will be with Chip Knapp, who's been by Mike Drass's side for thirty years and his his son Ben Knapp, who's who's been well documented on the site. yeah is still going through treatment at A.I. DuPont Children's Hospital up in Wilmington, about an hour north of Dover. So what happens with Chip is going to be a question here. And they do have a very much aspiring coach in Steve Azanese, who's been the recruiting coordinator for several years. I don't know if Wesley would look in that direction or if Steve is even looking for a head coaching job. But you know, some program at some point is going to be very happy to have the energy of Steve Azanese if it's not Wesley it's somebody else, but no, at this point, no, no clear-cut favorite amongst the Wesley family or outside the family that would be interested in the job. Keith, I appreciate you taking some time out to do this. Obviously, uh, we just had a podcast, and I encourage people to go back and listen to that. Uh, we dropped it uh, this morning right before we got the news, uh, but there's some good stuff in there for people to listen to as well, Keith. Yeah, and you know, next time we we do an emergency podcast uh, we hope it's under better circumstances but i mean right up there with uh, with with any of the greats in coaching as long as we've been around d3 and so uh, we felt he, he deserved the time this was around the nation podcast number 196 released on tuesday may 15th 2018 thanks for listening and tune into the rest of our coverage throughout the off season if you like this podcast please consider rating it in apple Podcasts or wherever you get this podcast and many others because that will help other football fans find it you can also leave your comments on the blog page and we'll read those as well the executive producer of the around the nation podcast is pat coleman production assistance provided by dave McHugh. our theme music is by dj mentos whom you can find at djmentos.com thanks to our guests larry beavers along with sean green for their time on this edition of our show and of course to the creator of around the nation on d3football.com and my co-host keith mcmillan you can reach us to talk more about division three football on twitter using the d3fb hashtag i'm at D3Football, and Keith is at D3Keith. We also have a message board devoted to Division Three Sports. You can join the conversation by registering with a legitimate email address to post at d3boards.com. You can follow d3football.com on Facebook as well. We are in the offseason here in Division Three Football, but news happens. Sometimes it's good news. Sometimes, like today, it's bad news. We will follow all of it on a regular basis. 
and keep you up to date on the website at d3football.com and we'll keep you up to date in this podcast as well. You'll find a new podcast in this feed from us each month. And it's not the first podcast that we released in May. Go back and find the one that we released on Monday, May 14th, where we talked with Norm Esch, the head coach at Illinois Wesleyan. We talked with Scott Benzel, head coach at Westminster in Pennsylvania, and Mike Atelius, the head coach at Catholic University in D.C. But to everybody who is associated with the Wesley College football program or Wesley Athletics or even Wesley College in general, and to everybody in the Drass family and near the Drass family, our condolences from everybody here at d3football.com. Thank you. Thank you so much, everybody.